Welcome back to Two Cops and a Donut. I am your host, Dirk Mason. And wow, it's been a long time. Five months to be exact since I've done a podcast, and holy cow, I need to get back on it. But today we're going to be talking about where the hell I've been, we're going to be looking at the movie Out of Time, and then we'll go to a little call of the week. So stick with me here for two cops, or one cop, and some coffee. Mmm, donuts. Homer, you silly bastard. We're not eating donuts today. Welcome back, everybody, to Two Cops and a Donut. I am your host, Dirk Mason, and with me today is... Crickets? Teddy is nowhere to be found. (laughs) No, he's down south, chilling at his house. I'm not sure what he's doing. Um, I did talk to him. He's doing great. Not sure if he's going to continue with the podcast or not, but we will press on. Regardless, if you guys want Teddy to come back on the podcast, let's hit us up on Instagram, Facebook... Or our email, twocopsandadonut at gmail.com. Let me know. We need to get Teddy back on the wagon or off the wagon. I'm not really sure what that is. He's a recovering alcoholic. Really? Yeah, he's been off the wagon two years. Off the wagon? I think it's off the wagon. I think it's on the wagon. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about where the hell I've been, where the hell's Teddy been. And down the road, we're going to talk about the 2003 film... Out of Time, starring Denzel Washington, Eva Mendez, and Dean Cain. And then we'll end the podcast with a little uh, call of the week. So first off, it's been five months since I've done a podcast. I just realized that. It's been super busy. Uh, Teddy and I are on completely different schedules. He works out of a different district than I do. We have kind of similar days off, but not really. He's uh, working different shift, kind of a almost like a power shift, so... Uh, It's hard to get together and do this because it does take a lot of time, a lot of effort to edit and put all this together, but I'm going to try to press on here. So the last time you guys heard from us, we were just getting back from the Dominican Republic, I had just gotten married, and man, it's just been crazy since then. We've had a shift bid, shift change, people are going in different places, trying to get on different things, trying to get off patrol. I guess that's the whole goal as a police officer is not to work patrol. At least it seems that way. Just recently, though, um, just been doing a lot of stuff for me and the fam. Teddy, is uh, he had a life change, too. He's got a different place. He had to move. I got the privilege to go help him move into a new place. So a bunch of stuff's been happening. We've been trying to hang out every now and then when we can, but uh, it's been tough. Went to a Rockies game. That was pretty awesome, pretty tight. But as of right now, we're trying to get off patrol, like I said, trying to find something different for us. I recently did a detail with one of our specialty teams. I'll talk about that when we hit the call of the week, because that's what it's all about. Wanted to bring up that 
We recently had a school shooting, or I should say, according to Lieutenant Dave Grossman, uh, it's a massacre. Even though, you know, it's, I don't know what they consider a massacre versus a shooting, but I would have to say any school shooting is a massacre because it shouldn't be labeled as a shooting because we have shootings on patrol every day, basically, which one person shoots another person. Anyway. Regardless, I digress. If anybody wants to check out Lieutenant Dave Grossman, Google his name, look him up on YouTube. He is awesome. He has a bunch of stuff on how things have changed since the 1990s and progressed in regards to massacres and stuff like that. You know, I'm not going to get into a lot of it, a lot of the details or anything like that, but it should be talked about. I do want to say one thing, though. Recently, when I was going to work, after this the school massacre happened in Highlands Ranch. I was listening to the radio and I heard a bunch of maybe concerned people or parents calling into the radio station saying that uh, we need to put in more metal detectors, we need to do this, this and that, put more people in the school, volunteers. What are your thoughts on this? I want to try to get people's thought, I guess, on what they think we should do to stop these massacres. I heard one lady say that they wanted to put in more metal detectors and charge the the parents of the children at the school to help pay for the metal detectors. Well, lady, I'm here to tell you, metal detectors not going to do much. It's going to detect metal. It's going to deter maybe one or two people, but if someone wants to go in and do one of these things, they're going to get it done, okay? There's we've already have recorded like there's armed security guards at schools which maybe they're not as qualified as they should be, but they're being killed before these massacres are occurring. They're the first ones probably that get killed. So, And before we continue, I just want to say my thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the children that were involved in it and the one child that tried to do something and lost his life doing it. So you know what? I'm going to play a clip right now from Lieutenant Dave Grossman um, I'm going to try to find one where he talks about some of the stuff that I was talking about. People need to read his book. I think he has two books out right now that he wrote a while back, but here's the clip from him. Uh, the first juvenile mass murder, multiple homicide by a single juvenile on people in their school in okay. human history. Let me, let me say, <clears throat> a kid shooting another kid in school. In this case, it was a principal and a custodian. For the first time in human history, any juvenile has ever committed a multiple homicide on people in their school was in the late 70s in California, double homicide. In the 80s, we had a couple more double homicides. In the 90s, began to take off, and now it's out of control. 5,000 years of recorded history, 500 years of gunpowder combat, 150 years of repeating firearms, and not one single time in the history of the world has a single juvenile ever committed a crime like this in their school and that's everywhere now what you got to understand is we're doing lockdown drills and they work they deter crime and they reduce the loss of, of life our cops every cop in america practices going in the school and shooting the kid before the body count gets too high Jeez. but it is not normal for, for every kid in america to practice hunker down hiding when the kids come to kill them Never lose your sense of outrage that every cop in America has to practice going to the school and shooting our kids. This is not business as usual. And in spite of everything that we do, we've got all-time record juvenile dead in our schools. How many kids killed by school fire in all of North America in the last 50 years? Zero. 
Not one single kid's been killed by school fire in North America in half a century. How many kids killed by school violence? Go to Department of Education, dead by violence in the school. 1998 alone, we had 42, uh, 42 dead. Uh, 42 dead in 1998 alone. In, in 07, we had 63 dead in the schools. How many killed by fire that year? Zero. Our children, and you'll never see this, but add up all the figures everywhere else and you'll agree. Our children in the school are more likely to be killed by violence than every other possible cause of death put together. And nobody even talks about it. The only answer is denial until a Sandy Hook comes. And then there's, oh, well, 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 we'll confiscate all the guns. It ain't going to do no good. We'll talk about that. But this is not normal. And it's a worldwide phenomenon. In Canada, had the Tabor, Alberta massacre with, with seven dead. In his, one of his things that he does is he talks about how uh, we do stuff to prevent fires. Uh, we put up sprinkler systems. We put in fire alarms. We put in fire extinguishers. We have hoses, extensions. There's all this stuff, but there's nothing put in place for other stuff and he's referring to school massacres so um i encourage you to read up on his books i think his website is on killology or it's no his book is on killing uh his website is killology so check that out i know it's a little maybe for some people hard to listen to or hard to hear but like he said no one talks about it all right so what we got coming up next is the 2003 film out of time starring denzel washington eva mendez and dean kane all right let's get into it chief whitlock chief whitlock it's Anne marie harrison somebody just broke into my house why don't you tell me what happened he came toward me like this uh-huh hmm. you didn't put up much of a fight did you <laughs> A respected cop. 485 grand. Can I touch it? No, you can't. Maybe I'll just steal it. Maybe I'll just shoot you. A moment of truth. There's been a setback. It's come back very aggressively. Why don't you tell me, baby? What about that experimental stuff? They're extremely expensive. A time to discover. What is it? Money. No. Meet me at my house. 11 o'clock. That nothing what it seems. Sheriff, Ann Harrison's house just went up in flames. Check it out. Definitely arson. What are you doing here? I'm a homicide detective. There's dead bodies. Look at what they got on me. An eyewitness saw me outside their house the night it blew up. He looked like him. He's the chief of police. <laughs> How do you solve a murder? I gave it money. The DEA is on line one. I'm going to send a couple of agents down there to pick up that cash. When all the evidence... Anne Ray names me beneficiary on her insurance policy. Points to you. Alibi? Home by myself. They set me up. You got something you uh, want to tell me? I need Prince ASAP. Chief, you okay? Just do it! I think I'm done. Police officer, straight upstairs, upstairs. But I'm not running. That's the guy. Where the hell is the money? All right, all right. Out of time. <laughs> well, uh, 
you heard the trailer, you see the trailer, uh, you've basically seen the movie. So there is a ton of stuff packed into that trailer that's basically the entire movie just packed into a two-minute clip. So this film was released in 2003. Director was Carl Franklin and writer is David Collard. Starring Denzel Washington playing Chief Whitlock. So Eva Mendez, she plays Chief Whitlock X or soon-to-be X. She's actually a detective out of Miami-Dade. They, her name is Alex Diaz Whitlock. Then the other, I would say, biggest co-star would be Dean Kane, who is Chris Harrison. And he plays like an ex-football player or something that they're living down in the Keys there. And then his wife, Anna Harrison, is Sanaa Lethan, if I pronounce that right. So the budget on this thing was $50 million. As I'm looking at this... Uh, budget was estimated 50 million. Opening weekend made 16.1 mil, and gross 40 mil. So didn't do too well. But anyway, I'm gonna jump right into this. Uh, so the opening scene is basically what you heard when Chief Whitlock answers the phone, and it is Miss Harrison calling, saying that there's a burglar that just broke into her house, and she needs him to come over. He's just pounding a, an MGD, Miller Genuine Draft, polishes it off before he heads out. And you're kind of wondering, uh, small town cop, okay, Florida Keys, it's hot, Miller Genuine Draft, why not? So he heads over to the house, and Miss Harrison lets him in, and she is talking about, she's describing, well, he looked like, he looked like you. And he's like, oh, so he was good looking. She goes, no. <laughs> and they just start, um, so he's like, well, what, what is this ugly man? What did he do? And you think it's like kind of a legit call. But then she started starts explaining, well, he put, he was standing where you are. He put his hand on me like this, but he was a lot stronger than you. So he, you know, Chief Whitlock grabs her by the neck or face and grips her harder. And then they fall on the bed. And then there's a sex scene. So you're like, whoa. So it was a fake call being put in place by her because she's married to Dean Kane, who is Mr. Harrison, a football player who is on the road. Shortly after the opening scene, they cut to Chief Whitlock back at the police station. He goes into a safe. He puts something in there, and then they mention the uh, sum of money of 450000 or something like that. And there's another guy who is, I believe, he's like a crime scene tech or medical investigator for the police department which is weird because they describe the police department as being i think four or six people in this small town of banya or banane i don't know how they pronounce that regardless it's a fake made-up name it's a made-up key uh filming locations was boca grande florida miami florida cortez florida and casey king swing bridge in sarasota florida so regardless it's a made up i think it's made up so i've never heard of it so chief whitlock is there and he's talking to the guy they're talking about taking the money and stuff like that and he's describes that it's for the atf which is in the paper that he has that morning has a picture of him doing this drug bust with all the money and stuff so he has that in his um possession and i like how they introduce the the characters in this particular film because they go from they go from one person to the next so they go to chief whitlock they go to miss harrison and then they go to i believe 
they go to Dean Kane and they describe like his intensity and how almost aggressive he is. And he talks, Chief Whitlock talks about Miss um, Harrison being beaten up before her, having some domestic violence issues with Mr. Superman. And then Eva Mendez is eventually introduced. She comes down. I'm not sure exactly why she's introduced. I think it's because they were going to get the divorce papers signed, something like that. Shortly after that, the spider web begins to tangle. Miss Harrison is she's showing interest in Whitlock. She doesn't want to leave Dean Kane because of, she's scared of him. And they end up going, she like is saying that, hey, he should come over. They're going to spend some time together because Superman's away for the weekend playing football. So she wants to include him in the weekend. So when that weekend is progressing, she needs, she makes up this excuse or something that she wants Whitlock to go to the doctor with her. They end up going to the doctor, and I believe it's Miami. They say that she has cancer. I think it's lung cancer, and it's progressing. Uh, it's She is down to, they give her like four to five months, and he's Chief Whitlock's like, oh, fuck, what... <laughs> Uh, is there anything we can do? The doctor's like, no, there's nothing you can do. Just basically be supportive and go from there. Uh, one thing that I love about this is that it's, this is like, how do you describe it? It's kind of like a cat and mouse back and forth. There's always something changing. Denzel Washington always has to adapt to what's going on. I'll get into that a little bit more, but that's my favorite part about this film is that it just kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire time. And correct me if I'm wrong, people, but I dig that in the movie. And Denzel Washington, he plays normally the same character all the time. You know, he's we talked about him in Training Day and stuff like that. But this is a, a kind of a little bit different, I guess. But he's still a police officer. He plays a lot of cops. Okay, so continuing on here, Miss Harrison, like, is upset about this whole thing. She thinks she wants to end it with uh, Whitlock and just doesn't want to be with him anymore because she's going to die. And then she brings up a change of life insurance policy that Dean, Superman, changed to $1 million. Denzel's like, well, that's fraud. You, He knows that you have cancer. You're going to die. That's fraud. He can't do that. And she's like, no, he changed it a year ago. And I only knew that I had cancer four months ago. This throws Chief Whitlock, like, he's just like, whoa, this is weird. And then all of a sudden, Miss Harrison comes back, and she changes the beneficiary to him, to Whitlock. And she's like, I don't care. I'm leaving. I'm going to die. I want you to have my money. And he's just like, I can't do this. But he doesn't do, he says he can't do anything, but he <laughs> he doesn't really do much about it. So then afterwards... He starts to think, well, I want to be with her for the last couple months before she dies. So he decides to take the $450,000 out of the safe that is supposed to go to the ATF. And he gets into the car and says, let's go. Let's get the hell out of here. Um, no one's going to know about it for a while because it's going to be in my custody. And <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. It's pretty crazy. Level do some crazy stuff, apparently. Now, after this all happens, Miss Harrison and Whitlock, they're at her house, 
and they're she's like packing her bags to leave because she's saying she's getting out of there so he's like no don't go and as soon as this happens dean shows up he gets out of his car and he's like well maybe we should this should be the perfect time to discuss the life insurance policy and why he changed it to a million dollars. And she's like, no, no, just get out of here. So he hauls buns out the back door. As he's coming around the front, he hears Dean Kane start to get aggressive with his wife, Miss Harris or Anne. So Whitlock just puts on his hat and I think runs up and he knocks on the door to try to stop it and goes, hey, uh, your neighbor called and said that there was a prowler in the neighborhood. You see anything? Has your wife seen anything? He's like, no. He's like, well, do you want to ask her? He goes, no. She didn't tell me she saw anything. So he kind of burns that and has to leave. Goes to the bar afterwards, and Dean shows up. And this is the funny conversation that they have. So I had this feeling when I got home that Ann was with some other guy. Really? Yeah, and I think he snuck out the back when I got home. No, I didn't. I didn't see anybody. I'll tell you what, though. Next time that little pussy comes around. A little pussy? Sure. The guy scurries out the back door the second he hears my voice. Scurry? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could almost respect a man. Where the balls to confront me? Tell me you have. I'm paying your wife. Maybe this 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 guy. Maybe there's nothing he would rather do than you know to tell you that you're a lousy husband and that you don't deserve. It. And maybe there's nothing he would rather do than to walk up in your face, look you right in the eye, and say to you, Chris, I'm banging your wife. Good. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe your wife won't let him. <laughs> I'd respect him at least. And if he did that, then I'd go up to him, look him in his eye, and I'd say, just come near her again, and I'll kill you. Oh, Chris, wow. Talking to the wrong guy, Chris, because as a police officer, I can't let you go around threatening people's lives. I mean, if you're serious, then I would be obligated to do something about it. Really? That's right. Thanks for the beer and the conversation. Thanks for listening. Okay. You give him my best. If you can. That is an awesome, awesome conversation. So Dean is obviously suspicious and knows it's got to be him because I think Anne is telling him. At this point in the movie, there is no indication that she is telling Dean, but he is suspecting it and he knows. Later, Whitlock goes to go over to Mrs. Harris's house and I don't think anybody answers, but a witness sees him outside and there's a light on. It's just so suspicious that there's a dog barking, everything, and a witness puts... Whitlock at the Harris's house and I think there was a phone call made for him to come over there but it was a trap now spoiler alert <laughs> I should have told this before but um there's a trap so Whitlock goes goes home next morning there was an explosion and apparently both Mr. and Mrs. Harris were burned alive in their house 
fire investigators are sh on scene and they uh, see that it's arson. Uh, propane tank exploded and they, has, they find a little device. From this point on, this is where I like this movie. It just goes back and forth, back and forth. Denzel Washington is trying to keep ahead of all the traps that were set in place. So I'm just going to run a, a quick rundown because there's quite a bit of them. As soon as that explosion happens, Chief Whitlock knows that he's the beneficiary of one, $1 million to Miss Harrison because she had it changed. From there on out, he went to the doctor's appointment with him. He's talked to her on the phone. And Eva Mendez, who is his still wife, who he hasn't signed the divorce papers, is the detective that has assigned the case. From then on out, he's trying to get phone records, change the phone records, delete them before they come in because they're rushing. Eva's rushing madhouse to try to solve all this before because they know it's arson now. So, And the first thing that comes up is that they go to where she works, uh, Miss, Miss Harris. They go in there and one of the doctors or dentists says, oh, she quit uh, yesterday. And then one of the dental hygienists says, I think she was having an affair. And he's like, oh, fuck. She got flowers sent from this place. And he actually sent the flowers to her. So he f does a fake phone call and says, oh, uh, Julie's or whoever this is, who sent the flowers? Oh, Mr. Harris? Okay. And he didn't even dial anybody. So right off the bat, boom, he's into it. And this is what I love about the film. You guys got to watch that. This whole like cat and mouse thing, I want to say, of Denzel trying to be, he's a good guy. He is having an affair with a married woman. He found out that she had cancer, and they find out later she didn't have cancer. They changed the beneficiary to set Whitlock up. It's just, it's intense. Once Whitlock gets the phone records changed, uh, someone comes in, some other detective helping out from Miami says, oh, I got the cell phone records in. And he, Whitlock's like, fuck, they're separate. And they read off the first number that's on there, and it's Whitlock's. And then <laughs> the funny, crazy thing is that the medical examiner or medical uh, officer that's in there, who's kind of a drunk, he hears the phone number and, like, that's Chief Whitlock's. So... I don't, I'm assuming just because they're best friends that he steps up and he says, oh, well, that's my phone number. And they're like, well, you called Mrs. Harris? He's like, well, I must have, you know, I, or I called Dean because I wanted a drinking buddy. I was passed out and needed someone to drink with. So saves Chief Whitlock's ass. That was the only thing that he didn't think of. And Chief Whitlock, he comes up front with this guy and says hey this is what i did i was having an affair with her i took the money she has the money the money's gone and it's just he's like oh you're fucked basically they end up driving somewhere and there's a fork in the road and he's like hey i got an extra 10 grand we can just uh i can let you off here we can go buy a boat in southern key west and call it a day he's like nah take me back to the police station a long story short chief whitlock comes out on top obviously. He finds uh, out where this fake doctor who gave her fake cancer is coming from. He has to do a little investigation. He ends up running into Eva and they're like chasing each other. Oh, it's it's crazy. I'm not going to give away that part because I mean, you, know, you heard the trailer so and I already told you the ending I guess but he comes out on top 
he ends up finding out what happened um and in the end uh, miss uh, harris dies and he's still the beneficiary so at the very end they leave it hanging with he has the option to collect the money and eva mendez is back in his life so i thought it's a cool movie you guys should check it out i wanted to do something a little more serious uh in the case because how he started out the podcast and it was a little more serious than than i wanted it's not as funny but go check it out but as of right now we're gonna start the call of the week Alright guys, this is the call of the week, and today's call is going to be a little bit different, or this week's call is going to be a little bit different, because I was in a different section of the police department, different unit. Are you really going to abandon this movie? We're supposed to be a unit! Suck my unit. Alright, fine. <laughs> so this unit is a special unit within the police department that is, you basically hunt down wanted people. Okay. The best part about it is that there's no bullshit. You're given an assignment. You give, you get a wanted person. You get a list of people that are wanted. You try to find them. Period. That's all you do. Which was really cool when I got to work with them is that they were the person that I was working with. He was trying to locate a wanted person that had committed crimes in several different cities throughout the metro area. And luckily, one of the cities that this guy committed a crime was in was in the city that my brother works in. And my brother was actually assigned to the same case. So it was pretty cool that I got to help out with what my brother was dealing with at the same time. So I had connections in a different police department. So as this stuff was transpiring and we were getting all the information, we tracked down all the associates that this wanted person is related to or has been involved in a crime with. We learn everything about this person in the fastest time that we have allowed. So when this the, the warrants come out, you want to get them as soon as possible. So if a warrant's issued, they don't know, hey, it was issued on this day. <laughs> Most people know that when they commit a crime that they're going to have a warrant if the other person reports the crime. So we want to try to get that information. We want to read up about this person as much as you can and try to find them. So I had a little bit of inside information because of my brother and what he had already worked on and all this stuff. So break it down to brass tacks here. I knew a little bit about this person from my brother and working with the guy that I worked with at the department. And he's been wanted for months, okay? So it wasn't easy. He knew that he had a warrant. He knew that a lot of different agencies were looking for him. So it turns out that we did some more research, dug in a little bit deeper, and we found this perp. <laughs> perp, Jesus. Uh, we found this guy. He was hiding up. He had a bum leg. It, like, it worked out awesome. In this section or unit that I was working in, it's... It's very low key. It's not like patrol where you're out visible to the public. It's you're not visible. You want to stay, I guess, hidden in the shadows as much as you can. So the best part about this detail for me was that it was something different, something more to look forward to. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, 90% of people don't who work at a police department who are on patrol want to be off patrol. To sum up the call of the week is that I got a wanted person my brother was working the same case and within one i'd say two days 
of hard work, we got this guy. And it without incident, nothing happened. It was awesome. I have to just say the experience that I had working with this uh, specialty uh, unit in the police department, it was awesome. I never imagined that I would be doing it, I guess, because I've been working patrol for almost eight years now, seven years. And to do something different, it's it's pretty cool. You know, you're kind of teetering on the edge of where, hey, do I really want to be a cop anymore? Do I want to do patrol for this much longer? I don't understand how these people who are 60 years old are still working the streets. I think a lot of people that I know are going to hear this and be like, yeah, I don't know how these guys are still doing it. But this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter than usual because I don't have the banter of Teddy coming back at me, correcting me, (laughs) throwing in his little uh, nuances. So Teddy, I want to say we all miss your antics here in the, uh, the loft, the recording studio. So if you're listening to this, come back, Teddy, come back. Come back, Wayne. (laughs) All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up this podcast. I'm going to try to record one at least every two weeks, okay? So it's going to be a little more difficult by myself, but I can do it if I have to. All right, let me know what you guys want me to review next. I'm open to anything, anything and everything. Comedy, serious drama, crime. I mean, anything relating to law enforcement, I'm down. Stay tuned for another episode of Two Cops and a Donut, or should I start calling it One Cop, One Donut, and One Cup of Coffee? (laughs) Alright guys, thanks, and we will check you later. Dirk is out.